0: This morning, in speaking with you, I'd like to give the general uh, overview of the, uh, the forms for the day, uh, the practices. One of the key words uh, used here, of course, is this word dharma, d-h-a-r-m-a, Sanskrit word in the Pali language which is the sister language of sanskrit slight change in the spelling which is d h a m m a the word has uh, a variety of uh, meanings core meaning uh, of it are as a reference to teachings and practices which contribute to the waking up the liberation the uh, insights and uh, realisations of a human being so Dharma are teachings and practices which point to the real fulfilment of a human being in her or his engagement with this life teachings and uh, practices is one important feature and meaning a uh, second uh, one is that It actually refers to everything, so therefore a kind of umbrella concept. In that case, as people of the earth, we are, We could say, subjects and we live in a world of objects. Objects of other people, situations, environments and so forth. Everything is an expression of Dharma. We live in the ocean of the Dharma. Every thought, feeling, view, presentation, subject, uh, object, the interconnection, the interactivity, are all countless manifold numbers of expressions of Dharma. The good, the bad and the ugly. So Dharma is used in a very, very wide sense, it is also used in a very specific sense and most in the specific teachings and uh, practices. There is no uh, equivalent word for it in the uh, uh, English langu- language. There is no such word, incidentally, comparable in English language uh, such as nature in, in, in the Dharma. have it in English, nature, and quite often, and rather unfortunately, we tend to associate being in the nature as being outdoors, sky above or below, trees and flowers and the uh, in environment. There is no such division um, in uh, the Dharma teachings. So there is life which is an engagement, it's indoors and outdoors, it is alone and it is with others and it's a tremendous and precious opportunity for us to explore. And for that we need to be remarkably conscious as human beings. With the day here, in the uh, fullness, richness and diversity uh, uh, of the day, teachings are, as much as possible, kept grounded and very much down to earth. And a variety of reasons for that. One of the expressions of down-to-earth practical uh, teachings is the relationship that we have to the day and to the f- one aspect, the form of the body. The form of the body. And therefore it's worthy of our interest and attention, not all the time, but as a primary, to give attention and be mindful of when we are sitting, when we are walking, when we are standing and when we are lying down in the reclining posture. We spend, obviously, an immense amount of our life engaged in these four postures. There is a relationship to the body. So in our sitting posture, as an example, we engage with the breathing, we give attention to the experience of being with the body the being with the body mindfulness of the body so it is not a teaching in any way whatsoever of detachment it's not even in the Buddha's teaching it's not in any way a withdrawal it is not any interest in trying to transcend and get out of the body or go beyond uh, uh, the body So mindfulness of breathing, which is an expression of the body, as well as being with the uh, body, constitutes an important aspect of practice. And one might ask, and understandably uh, so, why is it important? Because if we don't, we will not be in touch with the body. What we will be in touch with is with self-image. And self-image, in this case the physical uh, self-image, is tragically, sadly, a statement of alienation. It's a statement of disconnection. So when we lose touch and contact with the bare physical experience, being alive, the vibrations, the sensations, the formations of the body, very, very easily image arises and with the image very easily the reactivity and the judgmental views arise all the approvals and disapprovals can arise too young, too old, too fat, too thin, too short that this is not right, that is not right much comparing, uh, envy feeling of disheart, being disheartened looking at ourselves in uh, Uh, negative uh, ways and waking up in the morning and looking in the mirror which surely positively has to be the worst time of the day to look in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) So we engage in a whole variety of activities in which we absorb as human beings the merciless consumerist propaganda about how we should look and how we should appear Mm. there, and it just feeds, it doesn't tell us anything about the body, it feeds self-image. And image is not truth. Image is not reality. Image is a statement of disconnection. And this practice, as a very down-to-earth and vitally important uh, uh, practice, says essentially, please experience the body. Don't live in fake news of the image. It's not healthy, it's not, it's not supportive, and it's a, it's a disconnection as well. So, in our day, this applies, of course, to all four postures. The connection and the reconnection uh, with the body, it isn't easy. We are used to living in pictures, in stories, in images, in ideas and investing in the false much in the way of a reality into the false. We believe that which we don't like about ourselves. We believe that is the truth of ourselves. It isn't. But what has happened is that we've invested so much reality into the story, into the image, into the picture, into the view that, the reality, that has become the reality is it any wonder that millions and millions of pe- uh, people constantly feeling unhappy about themselves constantly finding fault not being able to match up with all the image and propaganda that is uh, put to us Getting us to buy things to try to improve our self-image. It's an insult to intelligence, and we are our attention is being bought. So, in the meditations, in the sitting uh, meditations uh, at the moment with you, there, just a few small points to uh, bear in mind uh, one of them is the actual posture itself there is a simple but worthwhile reminder with the mindfulness of the value of the straight back it is the kind of uh, event in the body, in the spine in, the, uh, in this case which everything else can rest with It's worthwhile when you come into the hall you sit, cross-legged, kneeling, chair, whichever your preference and remember to sit tall to really sit tall and that presence of that will allow the energy to flow a little bit more easily and freely it will contribute to feeling a little bit more alert and present and it will contribute as well to really staying with the experience of the body as the body, that means a field of organic life, of elements, of nature, of vibrations, sensations, and staying close to it. Really close to it as much as you can. Because if we are connecting with the body very, very well, the when the image emerges, which it may well do, of course, one will really see clearly what the hell has this image got to do with being with the body. What the hell has it got to do with it? Nothing. So in our relationship to that, that connection with the the body, it is not easy. It is not easy for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons in the actual posture itself that sometimes some pain, discomfort, and uh, agitations uh, uh, in the body may arise. The body, so to speak, mildly metaphorical, mildly uh, actual as, uh, as well, the body remembers. And what that means in this case is that there may have been in the course, in the pursuance of our life, sometimes quite challenging and difficult experiences. The word, as we know, I'll speak about it later today, uh, trauma. And something which has had an impact. The event may fade away. Time may go by, but it can be that the body, so to speak, remembers. So it is not unusual to engage in the connection with the body, experiencing the simple reality of the body, not the image, and in the process of that sometimes some old, unresolved issues may arise, the body remembers. You didn't plan it, you didn't expect it. You may or may not have come here to experience it, but life doesn't take too much notice of what we want. It never has done. And it certainly yeah, can get very, very clear when one is meditating. Who knows what the day will bring us? It's a good opportunity for all of us to have a little bit of humility in the conceited claim I know myself the whole process of meditation amongst the many good lessons that we can learn uh, from the exploration of it is how little we know and how much unexpected joyful and wonderful precious and painful and frustrating and disappointing can arise because the conditions are there for it to arise always be a little careful about I know myself and even more careful, I know you (laughs) some people shock us we think we've known our lover or we've known our parents, or we've known our neighbour, or whatever, and then we find out, whoa, I did know, but it was terribly small. So, it's a humbling teaching, this kind of practice. Uh, that. Keeping to the <coughs> sitting for the moment, the mindfulness of uh, breathing uh, in and out, the tradition, the Buddhist tradition, yeah, in this case, has appropriately really placed quite a lot of emphasis on the value and the importance of a human being sitting tall, being mindful of breathing in and out, and enabling the air element to harmonise and connect with the with the body. And in that exploration, to stay steadfast with it as much as possible, mind will wander daydreams may come energy and interest may drop in the process still nevertheless and despite will quietly come back and that exploration uh, of all of that has a value in learning to be steady in the face of breath and body learning to be steady as a training for human existence so that in other situations in life whether it's what's happening around or what we know or hear about can we stay steady with. It can be, to take an example uh, uh, here Um, some reference was made yesterday evening in the opening talk with you with regard to environmental vulnerabilities and uh, threats which are taking place. To give a reminder, Jen has the FIRE app. She will be informed if there is uh, uh, anything that we need to know and she will tell us immediately if at the time. All being well, all being good. Within a 25km uh, And it's within a 25km distance as well we will be informed my request to you is please do not use your mobile phones it's uh, easily for many it is an addiction it's a habit and a pattern and one can easily keep just going to it on some pretext of the mind Uh, there and that keeps getting in the way of the opportunity to be really present with what is uh, here and now. There are two exceptions to the guideline one is for a parent who needs to have contact with her or his child and that child in this case means child under the age of 16. The second for a, a person who is here to have the opportunity to use the mobile phone, if necessary, because a close personal friend or relative or family member is sick and you need to check. Both of those, in my view, are valid reasons to have contact. But there are no others. And if there are, you better let me know. Partly, to put aside this world of information, information, Texts and all of that, and have some breathing space to be more in touch with the reality of the immediacy, will be of benefit to you and to others uh, there. And it's a quiet discipline because I know and recognize that it's, it is an addiction. And it's a, it's a severe, social, problematic addiction for young, middle aged, and old alike. And we are here to let go of these addictions. So, in the, the day here, yeah. I just outside my uh, room, I was casting my eye uh, in the uh, the dining room, which some of us are using, and there is a uh, rather uh, delightful selection of books. And those of us who love uh, 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 reading and uh, uh, Writing uh, genuinely can benefit from uh, the literature, and there's a great, vast uh, wealth of uh, literature uh, around uh, there. And I saw very wisely, Panyavaro or one of the good team who uh, live here have put on a notice: do not read the books. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> in some uh, places they have to put curtains over because people can read but they can't read that particular sentence in front of the books (laughs) so but here there seems to be a little bit more trust and the books are there with just the the message the reason uh, for this is we can be in a state of overload of information it is pumped into us day in and uh, day out there's no space from it there, and it genuinely is healthy and helpful for us to reduce all the uh, reading that we engage in through the media through the texts and all the other sources and just have a break so that while we're here pretty well all of the day is in the field of the silence and if one really takes the all of the day there's just this swallow Christopher talking in the morning for a bit afternoon for a bit longer and uh, off and on in the evening program which I'll speak to you about so the maximum is around two and a half to three hours in the day so that leaves and then perhaps the check-ins for the 10 minutes or so, pretty well, around 21 hours a day, complete silence and the absence of information. One person who is here, who is working on um, some environmental work, uh, kindly uh, did uh, check with us, and I uh, said, because of the work, it is fine to give one single period of time that is a walking period once per day not a minute longer and not before to completing this uh, environmental report which is, uh, which is fine so sometimes there is the exception but they are quite uh, quite rare so the quiet disciplines which we exercise the silence the absence of the reading of the books however sometimes some people it's fine uh, with me do like to have pen and paper. Do like to take some notes. Those notes may be from your experience. You want to write something down, you feel it's important for you, something you felt, felt, a thought which has arisen, whatever. It may be that in the listening, instructions this morning, afternoon talk, or whatever it might be, you know, there's something there which might be of support uh, for you and some people again just take a note most people just wish to as the Buddha would say here lend an ear not asking you even for two ears just lend one ear uh, there and a certain trust that in just the act of the listening itself that which needs to be absorbed and remembered and applied uh, will, will, will come I leave that to you, but it, it's not necessary to launch into your uh, lifelong autobiography, even if it was a bestseller. So keeping it just to the day, just to the practice, if you do if you use any note-taking uh, activity, all in the quiet disciplines of silence, connection with the body, connection with the breathing, connection with the experience of the day it will serve you well right to the nature comes and squeezes out of all of us the last breath that's why we practice as well breathing in and breathing out mindfully so that when we come to the end of this life hopefully we can be mindful and awake and be conscious on the last uh, out breath I have Absolutely no wish whatsoever to die in my sleep. I think, oh, damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there is the walking meditations. They are engaged in uh, individually. With the walking uh, meditation, just need a short area, five, ten meters um, in the shade, 15, 20 metres whatever feels appropriate uh, uh, for you (coughs) so it is a meditation it's a mindfulness of uh, walking really a a precious uh, meditation for two or three reasons there are times in the daily life where there is some issue which is going on for us whatever that might be about the thought may arise to sit with it or sit through it the stillness of the body will not allow uh, one to weather the storm of what's going on inside of oneself. Too much movement in the emotion, in the event internally is too big a contrast to sitting. Don't buy the message of just sit sit through it. It's a foolish uh, idea. We have alternatives, so it could be one of them could be just issues going on just to walk up and down and keep walking up and down so that movement of the flows of the energies of the body help with the flows that's going on in the mind the eruptions of volcanic activity internally and sometimes just walking up and down really can just walk literally right through it we have a sense of coming out of the uh, other side with it and the walking meditation genuinely can be very helpful for this but there are also times as well with the walking meditation where there's no uh, disturbances it's just to walk on this earth to feel the contact of the feet with the ground and really ground the whole being it brings about a receptivity to what is deep some of you have um, being uh, on retreats with myself other uh, teachings in a variety of uh, very uh, places both uh, here in the area and um, overseas as well one of the common I think I could call it a mantra, one of the common mantras which I hear on the uh, first day wherever I go is oh it takes it takes me a day or two to settle in. Have I heard, how many times have I heard this yeah. the last 45 years? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. not a scrap of truth in it. It's a belief system. And one's mind has gone to the past and the mind in the past says, oh, it takes me a, a day or two to settle in. And one is completely convinced of the reality and the grand realisation uh, uh, of, of this. It's memory. And if you've done two retreats, you've just doubled the memory. So that's reinforced it. You've done half a dozen retreats and you've said it to yourself. And then you've spoken to others at the end, and the oh, it takes me a day or two to settle in. Oh, I know just how you feel. So then you just reinforce the, the, their viewpoint, and one reinforces one's uh, own. And one is completely convinced of the reality. And some people say, well, Christopher, that's my experience. Well, it's not your experience. It's your view. It's the view. And we're here to... See, if it was our last day on Earth, we wouldn't be thinking. Oh, it takes me a mere day or two to send in. <laughs> <laughs> so just to catch the interpretation and the investment of truth into it, it's based on memory, it's based on an idea, it's based on the interpretation. Uh, there and it's. Quite some vigilance to be a mindful human being of breathing in and and, uh, breathing out without the overlap of an opinion on top of it. Quite something to be much more uh, clear and simply not accept the reactive, interpretive patterns of the mind when they're not very supportive and helpful. Keep your eye and ears open, so to speak, with this one. Sometimes people say, oh, I can't, I I just can't do the walking meditation. Of course you've been been doing it for years, walking up and down. But the view also then uh, uh, arises. So my suggestion is not to come and tell me you can't do walking meditation. Because if you do, I won't uh, roast you, though though I'm tempted. Um, but I might well say to you, miss the next sitting, and do walking meditation through the walking period, through the sitting period, miss the sitting, through the walking period on, and just do it non-stop. you won't die. It won't kill you. You'll survive. Uh, there. And having done it, three forty-five minutes. I'll do my maths rightly, just over a couple of uh, of hours. It might be that you get some connection with what walking is about, of harmony of body and mind, the sense of uh, well-being, and being a creature on this earth with two legs who is able to walk up and down and as an evolved human being can really appreciate just being alive, conscious and connected and loving it just for that as one of the teachers once commented some people say walking on the water is a miracle and others say oh walking some of my friends they've gone off to the east and done these fire walks on the hot coals Uh, they say wow that's just amazing what's really amazing is a human being who can walk mindfully on this earth in their fullness and in their capacity just to walk and really have a real sense how remarkable it is. And if at any time in your life you've had injuries to your legs, your ankles, your knees, or whatever, and then the good doctor has said, you can put aside your crutches, you can get out of bed, and, and just take your first steps. The appreciation for that just walking, just for itself and the the gladness, and the recognition of it. That's what we want to get in touch with. We are two-legged creatures, we can walk on the earth, and the walking often, not always, often is more significant than where we are coming from and where we are going to give you good time and care and attention to the walking experience it's precious thirdly is the standing sometimes the lost, long lost cousin in the uh, meditator's world so in my years as a, a monk in Thailand the uh, uh, teacher bless him um, encouraged everyday standing meditation Have a period here 12 o'clock till 12.30 This can be in the hall here Or outside if you wish Sometimes some people like to do some standing meditation uh, after the talk It's a really precious practice as well The posture is straight One is standing tall My goodness me, metaphorically we need to stand tall on this earth we need to have the capacity to stand above a lot of uh, that which is unhelpful and uh, uninteresting as well actually (coughs) and just to stand it's a practice and therefore it might mean for those of you who are rather new I'm just able to stand just for a few minutes Mm -hmm. knees hurt, lower back hurts Takes a while for the body to find its strength and natural harmony. One feels the contact of the feet with the ground and stands, and then stands a little bit longer. It's quite easy to stand one hour without moving a foot. It's quite easy to stand two hours, three three hours. Nothing special about it at all. When the body is in harmony, we can find that. But if, as mentioned. The bit challenging and difficult, which often it is, then do, after three or four minutes, feel free, bend your knees, bend the back, lift the foot up, do what's necessary, come back to the standing, and then just to stand. Helps to dissolve uh, a lot of impatience, the standing around and waiting for somebody to turn up, to have a coffee with you who doesn't turn up. Standing, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in Britain, standing on the railway station, waiting for the train to come, which doesn't come because the driver's overslept, or whatever it uh, might be. Lots of opportunities. Standing in the, in the queue for whatever it might be about. Standing, um, waiting for the luggage to come off the carousel. S- standing, sta- numerous situations of standing. Instead of it being agitating, Restless, impatient, which doesn't help anybody, and it's more stress. Stand. Stand and be. Stand and experience the autonomy of the whole being in the standing posture. And then finally is the uh, reclining uh, uh, posture. And obviously, uh, the bedtime. Yeah. Sometimes, quite regularly, people come on the retreats and r- report it's not easy finding sleep. It could be just by being in a new environment. It could be you sharing with others or, or in the same uh, approximate loca- location. With the uh, reclining posture, in the classical way, could either be lying on the side or lying on the back. The primary, like with the sitting posture, is the stillness of the body. Maximizing just feeling into the body as deeply as possible, very, very quietly, very gently, not moving the body. So even if the sleep doesn't come easily, there's not a tension, there's not a conflict. The harmony of the energies will give renewal even if the sleep is taking a while to come and just to feel at home sometimes with the reclining posture there uh, that quiet silence and stillnesses can, uh, can be there and it's okay just to be awake to be mindful, in harmony, in the silence and not sleep The thought is important with this one, uh, obviously some of the teachers I am... Um, I'm out of the old school, but uh, some of the my beloved new teachers uh, around are quite comfortable with um, uh, the beloved meditators being in the horizontal posture to listen to the afternoon talk or the morning instructions. Uh, they, they don't have any issue. But um, I say old school here... So, what that actually means that the uh, uh, request, which is a rather English and polite way of saying there's no choice <laughs> uh, uh, um, is to u- use the importance and the benefit uh, of the sitting posture. There. And there are only two reasons to be in the horizontal posture in the hall. One is you're dead <laughs> and even that. I can I consider a poor excuse, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, the, the second a health issue, pains in the back, knees, you know, a genuine health uh, uh, issue. Either sickness or pain. There, it's absolutely fine. Lie, lie horizontal. People ask why uh, I'm, like, I am a little stricter on on uh, this one. There's nothing religious about it in the view. There's nothing spiritual about it. I nothing holy about sitting in the uh, cross-legged posture. But what happens, and it happens regularly, snoring. <laughs> so it's not easy for others to listen when a person or persons uh, nearby are uh, snor- uh, s- snoring. Then we have to ask to shake and wake, wake them up or whatever it might be it's just for the practic- practicality uh, uh, of, of, of these things and if you're very, very tired if you turn up in the meditation hall <coughs> at 3.45 fine, if you don't, equally fine I'll leave it to you if you want to come to the morning instructions and sit and listen fine, if you don't, fine you know, adults you know, make adults, make you good decisions uh, with, with uh, regard to this. So finally, four postures. Each of the postures has a value and a merit. We're human beings. Our life is often a movement between the four postures or engaged uh, in them. Really worthwhile. Exploring this, reducing the self-image, being in touch with the uh, actuality for calmness. And clarity and uh, insight. There we go. So let's have a short sitting together for um, 10 15 uh, minutes.